Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Brett. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm fantastic. And you? I'm fantastic, other than the fact that you and I are recording this separate from each other and separate from our guests. Three different locations. I'd say four different locations. I mean, neither one of us are in the office. We've got Nelson there, and then we've got our guests at another location. So we're expanding our platform. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Anyway, all right, let's, let's get to our special guest. Our guest today is Janet Falk, PhD. Janet is a communications professional with more than 30 years of experience in-house and at public relations agencies. As the chief strategist at Falk Communications and Research, Janet advises attorneys at small law firms on media relationships and marketing communications to help them attract new clients, remain top of mind, keep in touch with referral sources, tons of benefits. Janet leads workshops on these topics. And she advises on media relations, websites, LinkedIn, newsletters, among other areas. She's published articles on media relations and marketing in the New York Law Journal, the New Jersey Law Journal, and marketing the law firm. And she's a frequent speaker on webinars and podcasts about these topics. And as a special tribute for our listeners, any listener that reaches out to her can speak with her for a complimentary strategic communication session to assess their communications activities, and online presence. And during that session, Janet guarantees two ideas for them. Welcome, Janet. Thank you so much. Happy to be here with Jeff and Brett. We're happy to have you. So Janet, why don't you just, by way of background, you've been doing this for a while, but how did you become a communications and media relations professional? Okay, I have an eclectic background. If you've been to my website, you may have seen my logo is an octagon with the letter F for my name, Falk, embedded in it. And I consider myself not a round peg, not a square peg, but an octagonal peg because my background includes higher education, Wall Street, nonprofit, and legal services. So I have worked in a variety of industries, primarily in a communications role. My last job was at a public relations agency where I worked primarily with attorneys in corporate and securities, bankruptcy, private equity, and the New York litigation team. And my job there was to get them quoted in the news as much as possible. So when that ended in December of 2008 with the financial crisis, I hung up my single shingle and started working with attorneys who have a solo practice or a small firm. It's work that I enjoy because I help my clients to identify who it is that has a need for their services and where is that party looking for information And how can we put my client and their service in front of that person who may need them desperately, but doesn't know exactly what the problem is and and how this client of mine can be a solution to their problem? So I, I hope that begins to answer the question. And then you ultimately formed your own firm, right? Your own company? Correct. 
in the public relations field, it's not unusual for uh, restructuring or client cutting the budget or losing the client. And so there have been a few hiccups from time to time. And when that happened, I would tread water by having my own practice until, as I said, with the financial crisis in 2008, it became clear that it was going to be very difficult to to get my next position. So I, I set up my own firm. And I, I have fun every day working with clients, primarily the attorneys, but, you know, some other business owners and consultants as well. So I, I just want to dive into that for a second, Janet, because that is, you, you sort of talked about it very quickly. And, and Jeff and I kind of do as well from our transition from working for someone to then opening up your own business and becoming an entrepreneur and, and a business owner. Walk us through that a little bit. I mean, that decision, that's a big decision to do that because of the perceived safety net of working for somebody in that paycheck. And so what went through your head about why I know I may have a hard time getting a job, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the quote unquote easier path and open up my own business and start there. Actually, Brett, it wasn't that kind of decision at all. I am a make lemonade out of lemons kind of person. And I saw that there was no hiring going on. There was a lot of layoffs going on. So it was time for me to, once again, you know, hang up my single shingle and tread water for the foreseeable future. In this case, you know, starting in 2009 with a few gray hairs and people wanting to elevate social media activity to my perception to a greater degree than was necessary meant that I was not the most uh, viable candidate. In any large organization, there's people at the top, people in the middle, and people at the bottom. Well, people at the top manage the people at the bottom, and the people in the middle become expendable because they are expensive. And so the, the decision was simply to move forward and you know continue making lemonade out, out of lemons. Fantastic. So, Janet, you work with a lot of lawyers, small firms, big firms, solo practitioners. How do we communicate to lawyers that they need your expertise? So, you know, what's the tool that they need to attract new clients and remain top of mind? There's a couple of things that that people can do. One thing that I often say is, you know, I find attorneys are of a competitive nature. And, you know, you are negotiators and, and litigators on your part. And from time to time, I'm sure you've noticed that some other attorney with a similar practice is getting more business or is being quoted in the news. And, you know, when that happens, and I know you have a colleague who's very actively quoted in the news on ethical issues, you know, when that happens, you think, why are they talking to that attorney and not me? I know everything about that subject and I'm much better looking. So the answer is reporters call the people they know. They don't call an attorney that they've never heard of. Because why would a reporter call you, Jeff or Brett, out of the blue if they don't know who you are and what you have to say about a subject? And more important, why anyone should care about what it is that you have to say. And so I speak often on the subject of how to professionally introduce yourself to reporters so that you, and not your colleague down the hall or your competitor at another firm, so that you will be the one that the reporter will think of to talk about a specific issue. Now, it may be that you're offering commentary on your own case that you've recently filed in court. 
It may be that you're offering commentary on a situation that's in the news that everyone is following closely. Or it may be that you're raising the flag and saying, this is a new regulation. This is a new law. This is a situation that people are not paying attention to. And so they should be focusing on this. And if people only knew what Jeff knows or what Brett knows about a certain situation, then they would save time, save money, and make more money. Because in my view, that's a lot of what attorneys do. They keep their clients out of trouble. They have their clients back. And so when a company is in compliance, then they don't have to worry about a lawsuit or a fine because they are following the rules. And so you help them to save time and save money by keeping them out of jeopardy. And then they can focus on running their business and they can make more money. So one area that I consider important is how you can professionally introduce yourself to a reporter so that you and not anybody else is going to be the one that the reporter calls because they need insight on a particular issue or on a particular story or a particular law that's new to the, the marketplace. So that's one thing. But there are other things that you physically control in terms of your digital presence that you can be monitoring as well. You have your website, you have your LinkedIn profile, you have your activity on social media, you have articles that you might publish, not only in legal publications, but also in the industry publications that your clients are going to be reading. And you can also be active in the trade association of the industry that your clients are participating in. You can also be, you know, doing more outreach to your referral sources with your networking activities. You can be speaking at events, at conferences, or you can be speaking to the local chamber of commerce or an incubator where there's going to be growing businesses that are going to need your resources. So there's a lot of activities that I see that attorneys can be pursuing in order to raise their profile to potential referral sources, to potential clients, to be top of mind with their lapsed clients so that they will come back to them because they need advice based on what they have learned from this valuable insight that you have shared, whether in your newsletter or in an article or, or in a news story and so on. That's great stuff. I think a lot of lawyers just got on you right there, <laughs> that little uh, secret sauce. So one of the things I think a lot of lawyers encounter, at least from my perspective, is they get a call. When they do get that call from the reporter, they are not prepared. They, those who don't have the benefit of working with you, they get a call from the reporter about a case and then we read about it in the newspaper the next day and that, the lawyer just says no comment. What's your view on that? Is that the right approach, the wrong approach? Well, let's, let's think about it from the perspective of you have to be an advocate for your client. And what is in the best interest of your client? And many people, when they see a spokesperson for the company was not available for comment, think the worst. Think, oh, yeah, they don't want to talk to the press because they did it, whatever it was that they did. What I recommend to my clients is the following. A reporter calls you out of the blue and wants to talk to you, and you have no idea why they're calling. 
I mean, you think it's because the workers at the warehouse in another location are organizing a union, right? That's what you think is going on. But it turns out that something very different has taken place. And so my advice is the following. You say to the reporter, I'd really like to talk with you, but I have someone in my office right now. Let me get your name and your phone number and your email address, and I will get back in touch with you. And I want to be helpful to you. So just in case I have to consult with somebody else to provide you with more information, please let me know exactly what it is that you want to discuss. And then I'll call you back and we'll be able to pursue this further. Now, you think it's about the union that's being organized, right? No, there was a shooting in the parking lot. And you know nothing about it because it's at the client's place. And even the client isn't there. Their headquarters is somewhere else. This is a warehouse. So you can't begin to answer those questions from the reporter about what's going on on the ground because you're not there and the reporter might actually be there. So by giving yourself a half an hour and promising to call the reporter back, then you can do the following. First, you get in touch with the client and you get permission from the client to talk to the press. You don't want the client talking to the press because you want the client to deal with the situation. You're going to be the spokesperson. Second, you're going to work out with the client what it is that has transpired, what it is that they know, and how you're going to deliver this to the reporter in concise bullet point answers. And then you're going to call the reporter back. There's no news that's so important that it can't wait a half an hour for clear information that's going to give direction to the story in the way that you want the story to read. So now you're going to call the reporter back in this scenario and say, you know, we're very sorry for the loss of life that took place in this tragic accident on our premises at the parking lot. You know, we're working with the local authorities to identify the victims and to determine what happened exactly. And we are going to investigate our own security measures so that we can be sure that this will never happen again. Now, in this case, we're going to invoke what I call the three R's, which are regret, we're very sorry that this happened, recompense, if someone died and they were a worker at the company, we're going to set up a scholarship fund so that their children will have a future and will be able to go to college, and then reform. We're going to investigate our procedures and make sure that this never, ever, ever happens again. Now, you can see that calling back in a half an hour, when you have more information from someone who's on the ground, you've gotten permission from the client to talk to the press, and you're making yourself available to the reporter, is going to turn out very differently than if you said, you know, I'm not available for comment. And I would point out also that when something like this happens, what do you think takes place in that half an hour between when the reporter called you and you're consulting with the client about how you're going to handle the situation? Do you think the reporter is waiting by the phone for you to call them back? No. No. They're going to call somebody else. 
They're going to call a nosy neighbor. They're going to call a disgruntled employee. They're going to call an unhappy vendor. I mean, there's plenty of other people that the reporter is going to be able to get in touch with, and they are going to shape the story, not you. So when I counsel my clients is get the reporter's contact information, say you're going to call back in a half an hour, consult with the client, get permission from the client, figure out what you're going to say, and then call the reporter back so that you can then convey your facts, what you know, that you're cooperating with the local authorities, if that comes into the situation, and continue to be in touch with the reporter to convey the information. Saying no comment is not helpful to your client and is going to mean that other people, the nosy neighbor, the unhappy vendor, the disgruntled employee, they're going to shape the story, which will not be to your benefit. Right. I agree that getting back to them quickly is important. I think a lot of lawyers sort of overlook the understanding that the reporter's on a deadline typically and often, especially nowadays, those deadlines are really short. What what happens if you know you you can't get the information in that time frame? Then you call back with whatever information you have. You what don't you have. leave the reporter hanging because that means that they're going to find somebody else for comment and that's not going to be helpful to your client. Yeah, and, and I would imagine, Janet, and let us know that if you call back with any information with a promise to continue to investigate and follow up, you know, maybe that satisfies, at least for the time being, in the initial piece, you know, the issue of being silent or no comment. Exactly, because this is not a one-day story. There's going to be some follow-up. There's going to be a second-day story. It could go on for, you know, quite some time. But if you're not in the initial story, then you're not going to be in the follow-up story either. Now, there's another tactic that some people take, and it doesn't always apply, but it sometimes applies, and that is to persuade the reporter that there's really no story here. And that's not always so easy to do, right? Because, well, that also takes the information, doesn't it? I mean, you can't just... You're not just going to pick up the phone and call the reporter and say, there's no story here. And they're going to say, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and then right. and then let it go, right? Right, right. I mean, but, you know, if you have a case where someone's filing about sexual harassment or wrongful treatment in some manner, you know, then you can say, you know, this is a specious lawsuit. There really is no foundation for this and try and turn down the volume. Janet, how does, how does a lawyer know when they should hire you? Because I, I don't think a lot of lawyers have a clear understanding of when it is they should hire you know, a PR and, and communications firm. I, I think a lot of them will just want to start working with you when they're in the midst of this issue. You know, is it too late at that point? You know, they're, they're in the midst of a high-profile case. Hey, maybe I should get a PR consultant to work with. Well, being in the middle makes it a little difficult because you're playing catch up, as you might expect. So what I suggest is if you're going to file a case, then media strategy should be a part of your litigation strategy. So it's a good idea in a preparatory mode when you have a near final version of the complaint to talk with a public relations professional and see, is this truly newsworthy? That's the first question. And then what is it that we can do to attract attention to this case and say, this is a terrible wrong that has been done in this situation. We're going to rectify the situation. That's why we're bringing this lawsuit and so on. So it's better to be prepared ahead of time and to think that media strategy is part of your litigation strategy. 
On the other hand, if it's something that's more bread and butter and every day and you've opened a new office or you're adding a practice area or there's a law that's been passed or that's in the hopper and is going to be passed and you think that people should be more aware of it, then yes, you can be doing it you know, in anticipation of that so that people will think, aha, this attorney has their finger on the pulse of what's happening. You know, they're opening a new office. This is more convenient for me. Or this is a new partner. I could use someone who understands this aspect of the law or this area of, of my business. Or I was not aware that this regulation was going to affect my community or my business. And, you know, I should get in touch with that person. So those are all potential triggers for how you want to announce and enhance your presence, your, your public presence, whether in print or, or digital presence. Now, on the marketing side, I would imagine that at least I know for me and, and from what I see from, from a lot of professionals, lawyers and other professionals, it is hard to get their mindset that, that marketing is a long-term play. And so talk about that. I mean, it is not, hey, I'm going to go write an article or I'm going to speak and all of a sudden all this work is going to come, you know, one time or I'm, I'm going to go to one lunch and all of a sudden <laughs> all this work is going to come. So give us some tips about strategy around some of that and, and our listener, you know, strategy around some of that. I agree with you, Brett, that it's not one and done, right? I mean, yes, it can happen that you do one activity and it leads to a great outcome and you get a new client or, or something, but it's not one and done. So if you were, say, to be quoted in a news article, right, then what would you do to further that message? You would merchandise it. You would say, this is something I'm going to put in my firm newsletter so that more people can see it because maybe they don't read that local publication or that industry publication. So one thing is to put it in your newsletter. Another thing is to maybe turn it into a client alert, you know, something that more people should be thinking about this issue. And certainly that can be more expansive than what you were able to get into the news story. Maybe it's worthy of doing a video Maybe it's worthy of getting on a podcast that's of interest to that audience and saying this is a hot topic. I, I would encourage you to consider it as one of your sessions. Maybe it's worthy of organizing a panel at some professional membership organization or some industry membership organization. Maybe it's worthy of publishing a longer article in an industry or professional magazine. You can certainly promote your mention on your LinkedIn profile and your company website and your company's LinkedIn page. And I would also even consider including a link to one of these whether it's your LinkedIn profile or your, your newsletter or your company website, a link to that article in your email signature. You send 100 emails a day. It is your free real estate and hardly anyone views it as a marketing tool. So it's not one and done, as you're saying, Brett. You have to keep at it. You have to continue to merchandise whatever it is that you're doing so that you never know when somebody is going to come across that information and is going to say, aha, this is the person who understands what it is that I need to do. And the beauty of the digital activity 
meaning the news story or your newsletter or something on, on LinkedIn or your company website, is that it lives forever. You know, that's the good and the bad of it. So you never know, even though you were quoted last month or last year, someone could stumble upon that at any time and then it will hit them in their moment of need. So don't consider that anything that you do, whether it's a speaking engagement or an article or an interview or a podcast, it's not one and done. You have to continue to pump it out and merchandise it. Yeah, with an overall strategy. So I, I, I agree with that. Thank you for that. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you, Janet. Thank you for sharing that. And, and everyone that's listening, don't forget about Janet's complimentary strategic communication session. You, you've gotten so many ideas just from this chat, but you're also going to get two ideas from that one. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share the show, and leave a review. Subscribing to the show and leaving reviews will actually help others find the show and it will help us grow and devote more time and produce better content and have wonderful special guests like Janet Falk on the show. And so once again, thank you, Janet, so much. Thank you, Nelson, Brett. Thank you, everyone. And Janet's contact information will be in the show notes as well and reach out to her because everyone needs to focus on public relations and marketing. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure to be here. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron. <laughs>